0: Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in.
1: You are listening to the next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Mudbound.
0: Violence is part and parcel of country life. I learned how to stitch up a bleeding wound, load and fire a shotgun. My hands did these things. But I was never easy in my mind. Way down in
1: the water. I held his heartbeat in my head. Way down in the water. All that time he was gone, I only prayed for him.
0: Over there, I was a liberator. People lined up in the streets waiting for us. Sometimes I actually mess up. Yeah, me too. I'm coming back from the fire.
1: You the one I always talk about. Our own and our own parts the only way to get up from under their foot. Running back you working for them. I won't be working for them. I'll be working for us.
0: <laughs> Went off to fight for my country to come back and find it hadn't changed a bit. I don't know what they let you do over there, but you in Mississippi now. You use the back door. Boy, Jamie saw in a different way. And when his eyes were on me, I felt like I was no longer invisible. i seen you sniffing after him. Maybe Henry is too thick to notice, but I... ain't. You better open your eyes, big brother. You're so busy worrying about yourself and your farm, you can't even see your own wife is miserable. The they worked this land all they lie. I used to walking away from the fight. I know more. This land that never would be theirs.
1: You don't need to go, Jamie.
0: Well, I can't stay here. They worked until they sweated.
1: You'll be okay.
0: They sweated until they
1: bleed. Oh. They bleed until they die. <laughs> Clawing at the hard
0: brown That would never be this.
1: When I think of the farm, I think of
0: mud. I dreamed in brown.
1: All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Mudbound, and the story is as follows. Laura McAllen is trying to raise her children on her husband's Mississippi Delta Farm, a place she finds foreign and frightening. In the midst of the family struggles, two young men return home from war to work the land. Jamie McAllen, Laura's brother-in-law, is everything her husband is not, charming and handsome, but he is haunted by his memories of combat. And then Ronzel Jackson, the elder son of the black sharecroppers who live on the McAllen farm, he now battles the prejudice in the Jim Crow South. The film is starring Carey Mulligan, Garrett Hedlund, Jason Clark, Jason Mitchell, and Mary J. Blige. It is written and directed by Dee Reese, co-written by Virgil Williams. Joining me for this review, I have Dianke Ezeze.
2: Hello. So we had very different viewing experiences. I I picked this up on Netflix, but you saw it in the theater, right?
1: That is correct. I saw this at New York Film Festival about uh I'd say a little over a month ago.
2: All right. Well, I saw it last night. So we this is going to be really good. We'll have two very different perspectives. Uh, particularly around the cinematography, which I was curious as I was watching some of those shots, I was feeling a little bit sad that maybe I wasn't in the theater for some of that Rachel
1: Morrison work. You know, I have to say the cinematography in this is pretty damn good, actually. And I've heard that it transfers very, very well to the 4K format of Netflix. Mm -hmm. I have to say watching it in a theater I don't think it had uh, that 4K presentation. It To me, it looked less sharp and more grainy, actually. Um, I'm not exactly sure uh, what the process was for necessarily maybe converting that to the Netflix format if there was a difference there. But I walked into it after watching the trailer, you know, having an idea of how the film would look. And it actually did look quite different in a theater. So. I don't know. Maybe that Maybe that was helpful. Maybe it wasn't. B- bottom line, the huge takeaway here is that this is a gorgeous film. It is. And it's very handsomely crafted and well-mounted by Dee Rees, um, a very, very big upgrade from her last film, Pariah, uh, which, Dean, have you ever seen that movie?
2: I actually have not.
1: Oh, it's really, really, really w- well done as well. Uh, Bradford Young was a cinematographer on that film who went on, of course, to do films like Arrival, A Most Violent Year, Selma. And oh, now wow. is one wow. of the best cinematographers working today. He's going to be doing the um the Han Solo standalone film. Oh, sure. yeah. yeah. so I mean, that's a that's a very impressively uh, well made film as well. The thing about Mudbound, um if I could just get my general thoughts out right away,
0: mm-hmm. I-
1: is that it looks great. It's well acted. I feel this film is at war with itself in trying to tell these two different perspectives of these. Uh, families here because the first half of this movie for me I thought it was jumping around way too much between many different points of view there was a lot of voiceover work that I felt was a little unnecessary Um, to me I felt like there were times where this film could have easily shaved off another 10 maybe 15 minutes or so because it just felt like we were getting so much like exposition dialogue that was a little unnecessary but it's It's like kind of like the other side of a coin because every single actor in this movie, because of that dialogue and because of that time that is spent on each one of their characters, everyone gets their due and their moment to shine. And it actually makes for then one of the most impressive ensembles of the year. So it's not necessarily a drawback and it's not necessarily a plus for me either. I'm kind of like somewhere in the middle with that when it comes to the first half of this movie. But then the second half. Oh, oh my, my gosh! Oh, oh yeah. God! Oh wow! Um, I'll leave it at that. Deanne, uh, w- what are your general thoughts, and what do you what do you think of I, my? I'm uh,
2: totally. We're completely on the same page. Where you know as I was watching the first part and starting to get going, I honestly was finding myself a little bit disappointed. And like, so this is what I would say to anyone who's listening to this, like, just stick it out because even though it takes a minute, I do think that you need some of that exposition, whether it needs to look exactly how it looks, that's a different question. But you need some of that exposition for the second half, I think, to have the payoff that it has. But what's so interesting about it is, I mean, I I don't know if we're going to talk spoilers later, but I'll, I'll be careful with this. But, you know, there's just kind of this turning point Point, obviously, in the movie, which is when the, the two return from war, obviously, I like that was kind of the moment to me that the movie just picks up steam and becomes something super cool. I mean, not cool, but super impactful and meaningful. Yeah. And it almost diverts from that Laura story, the Carrie Mulligan story that you're getting through the first part of the movie. Mm-hmm. But then that all kind of comes full circle. And when it was all said and done, I was glad I had it. But, I mean, it's just – there is an inconsistency and there's so much power in the back end of this movie, I think.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a film that – you're right. It takes a little while to get going in that first half to the point where I was like, you know what? Man, I'm like this film feels like a mess. I I I feels like it just wetted to the editing room. And and they've said this in interviews too, by the way, that they edited uh, both families' stories separately of one another, and then tried to take both edits and then put them together in the film. Hmm. And it kind of shows in the way in which the two jump back and forth between each other. Because I think something that would help sell it a little bit more is more clever transitions between one story to the next. I did feel like the editing was a bit jarring at times and a little messy. And uh and this is not nothing to do about the editing, but there were also times where I just felt like the music uh just didn't fit with mm-hmm. certain scenes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if you got that vibe too.
2: Yeah, I could see some of that. You know, I went back and looked uh, at the original source material because I was kind of curious to figure out what was choices that was made in the writing and directing. You know, for example, there's kind of the setup scene, the very first scene of the movie, which I actually... That totally sucked me in. I don't know about oh, you, but yeah, I thought Oh, yeah, di- when they're
1: digging the graves, Digging the grave. Digging the grave, and grave. And with the lightning. And yeah, that was oh. that was really great. And the title of the movie comes up on the screen with the oh, sound of the lightning. Oh, it's
2: so intense. Yeah, it's like, here we
1: go. And then they find a very clever way to to also retell that scene later on in the film. And you have a completely different perspective. And it, it just makes that opening scene so much better in hindsight.
2: That payoff is so cool. I, I'm with you. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie. And so as far as that goes, I actually read the first, you know, that actual layout is exactly the way the source material is structured. And then obviously it's got the different narratives. So, you know, the voiceovers that they kind of pulled in, I think was somewhat hearkening back to the way the novel was set up. But I, I don't know that it, it felt a little disjointed at times, um, and all over the place with some of those voiceovers. There were some that I liked. I would say half of them I liked and half of them I could have done without, if that makes sense.
1: Uh, You know, this, uh, and you know what's interesting about that too is I was saying before how each character kind of gets their due and they have their moment to really shine in this. I want to take a moment If we could to actually Mm -hmm. uh, talk about each one of the characters and the performances that the actors uh, gave to it, because I I really, really feel that this cast needs to be uh, celebrated here. Let's start off with um, someone who doesn't get a voiceover, um, (laughs) because let's be let's be real. If they probably did, we we would most likely hate the movie even more. What do you think of Jonathan Banks? in this film.
2: Yeah, wow. Okay, so of course, Breaking Bad's running through my mind the right? whole time, as I'm Better sure. Better Call
1: Saul. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I'm sure, as it was for everybody. I mean, you know, it's interesting. What a hard role to play. And it was, in- I read some of um, him kind of talking about it, right? Because there was, that they had a hard time casting that because not a lot of people want to play somebody that-, that is just that absolutely despicable. I mean, this is the kind of character where you want to believe that this type of person could not possibly be real or didn't exist. But this, like, Like crazy, part is that they totally did, you know, and it's just that kind of hard, painful truth. And I thought he was really effective. I honestly, we'll talk about all all three, you know, all three of those guys because I think they all kind of represent something differently. And obviously, Pappy was so necessary, I think, to help frame up the rest of the story. Um, And I thought he did a great job.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, You know, and it's interesting that you talk about like the three men of that family, Mm -hmm. Um, Jonathan Banks. Jason Clark and Garrett Headland. You know it's interesting how Jonathan Banks is like the one far side of the spectrum in terms of just being pure evil. You have Garrett Headland on the other side that's more tolerant and understanding, um, even though he's certainly got his fair share of issues. And then you have Jason Clark somewhere in the middle where it's like you could tell that this guy wants to do the right thing. You could tell that he has that inner conflict about him, and he he's really. I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, I would say a victim of the times where society is telling him that he has to be a certain way, but you could tell that deep down he's he's not his father.
2: Right, but he's a conformist, yes. right? Yes, there you go, that's want, the word. Yeah, he doesn't want to rock the boat and he certainly doesn't want other people to do that. And his motivation for that, you know, I've heard different takes on his motivation. And honestly, I, I don't necessarily, I didn't get the sense it was always coming from a bad place. I felt like some of his, you know, kind of, saying, hey, don't do this, was more about trying to protect people than it was necessarily about you know, just being a bad guy.
1: Yeah, well, he's also trying to protect his own self-interest, you know, with his the own. farm. Yeah, absolutely. And his, absolutely. Family. his family. Right.
2: Yeah, just those basic things. And then you've got Hedlund who, you know, goes off to war. And I, I mean, we're going to talk about um so the, the other side of this as well. But I was fascinated by seeing this idea of people who would go experience World War II. And in some ways, what they did over there was preferable to what was happening at home. Oh, I mean, yeah. There's something so incredibly weird and crazy and disturbing about that theme that I think really works in this movie, especially for Mitchell's character.
1: Yeah. Um, sticking with Hedlund now yeah. for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, best in show.
2: Yeah. It's so hard. They, they were so good together, you know? And I I had heard that leading into this. Everybody was saying that. And that's, they were, they were so, there. it was that whole dynamic between the two of them that made Hedlund work, that made Mitchell work, and it and it kind of feels like they're almost gonna split the votes to me, but I actually probably lean slightly more towards Mitchell.
1: Oh, that's fair. That's fair. I I, I don't know what it was about Headlin, but I really felt that I saw him disappear into this character, he and was great. all of his flaws and all the good things about him as well. And then, dear holy Christ, that scene near the end in the Ugh. barn, um, wow, just. So powerful. I've never seen him give a performance like this. And I guess yeah. I just had low expectations, and he really, really blew me away. Right. Let's uh, move over to uh, Jason Mitchell. <laughs> Jason Mitchell has, uh, you know, the final moment in this movie. And it's because of his powerful reserve and due to his resolve, ultimately, you know, like the guy just exudes. This pride about him that when you get to the end of the film, I don't know about you, it almost brought tears to my eyes.
2: It did for me, actually, and that's, and I think that's why he takes it for me because I think you're right. Hedlund has that moment that is just tremendous acting, right? Like that is just unbelievable. He just bears the, his soul. Yeah, the pain that he has to show, uh, but but Mitchell really brings this home, I think, and um, that's that's why it's just slightly has the edge for me. But um, oh, they're both so great, and they're so great together. I would have just watched the whole movie with their relationship.
1: I almost wish that the whole movie. Was just them, and we yeah. didn't have so much focus on the other members of the family. Right. Like, why couldn't this film be about these two men instead of about these two families?
2: Well, it, that's what's so interesting is you look at it, because you, you were so smart pointing out, like, this really does have room for everybody to shine. But some people, I think, shine more than others. And, you know, ultimately, it really kind of sets out almost as like Henry and Laurie's, Laura Laura's story in some ways. Mm-hmm. But these other two just, you know, so take that over that that whole thing kind of gets shadowed. And then you have some things like, for example, there was just some other people on the property that had a little side story like like rob morgan who
1: plays hap jackson yeah
2: i don't know that she oh uh oh no not even that but the there was another um someone who worked for her that oh, was going. oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah like some of that i i think you could have cut that out completely i mean it just didn't even really play into what you know ultimately shaped the characters i
1: i i'm kind of with you on that as well yeah. absolutely um But getting back then to uh, the Jackson family. Yes, let's talk about that. Rob Morgan and Mary J. Blige. Oh, what a couple. You know, (laughs) it's interesting because I had heard so much about Mary J. Blige heading into this, and I was very, very underwhelmed.
2: I was, too, and I actually liked him better. Yes. And and I liked them together. I think he made her better
1: in Mm -hmm. some ways. You know, I was very, very surprised by Rob Morgan in this, actually, to the point where oh. I was like, my God, he he's probably second best in show to Hedlund for me at this point, you know, and nobody's talking about him.
2: I know, and it's crazy. You hadn't really heard anything about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I,
1: I, agreed. He just had such a presence about him and the way that mm-hmm. he delivered his lines. Um, once again, uh, just a lot of emo- emotive power in the, the delivery of his dialogue. I mean, he really, really, really was... Um, a very charismatic force in this for me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mary J. Blige, I just felt like she was in the background, you know? Yeah, she was
2: very muted, and she had an opportunity to play some scenes really, like, with high emotion, you know? And she kind of chose not to go that route, which, look, I mean, that's kind of what Mitchell did, too, and I think I think that works, right? And that can represent a lot of people don't emote in certain ways, right? But <laughs> at the same time... Um, I I was a little bit underwhelmed as well. I certainly, for her first performance, and she was excellent. She was great. I just don't know that she's going to get that nomination.
1: Yeah, uh, I I wonder too, actually. Um, And then Carrie Mulligan, who, interestingly enough, you start off the film thinking that this is her movie. And she's still a very important character as you head into the second act as, as it pertains to the Garrett Hedlund character. But... Once again, the shifting focuses of this film uh, kind of move it away from her. And then they try to like bring it back to her with, like you said, that whole subplot involving the other family that works on the farm. And at that point, I just wasn't as emotionally invested anymore as I was in the first half.
2: I agree. It kind of it kind of lost its steam, and I, I still think it was an important part of it and how all of this sort of wove together. But um, yeah, I mean, it just it wasn't the best part of the movie.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's interesting how like World War II, as you were saying before, Deanna changes everything for these men, and it's like it's all you know they're obviously halfway around the world in a totally mm. different world, so to speak, uh, with different rules you know it's like right what the theme that i found the most interesting in this movie is how in war there's your side and then there's the other side and there Mm -hmm. is no such thing as internal fighting it's you and the enemy and that's it right and then when you come back home and we're all supposed to be on the same side we're supposed to be one united country right yeah and it's not and it's all about how these two men on both um, both sides, you know, one black, one white, how they both come to grips with that because they share that bond of being brothers in arms as as soldiers, even though they never, ever met on the battlefield itself. Right. But it connects them. Correct. Because they have that shared experience. And what I loved about this movie and what got me thinking so much about it is you know, I, I actually went into this and I was like, you know, I, I, it never occurred to me what the title of the film actually meant, you know, uh-huh. Mudbound. Mud and then when um, Carrie Mulligan has like that voiceover, and she's like, when I think of the farm, I think of the mud. Yeah. And, you know, we're seeing in the first opening scene, uh, someone being buried in the mud in the ground. And, you know, you just start thinking to yourself, at the end of the day, all this bickering, and all this hatred and all the shit that we do to each other. In the end, we're all going to end up in the ground. Right. And it doesn't, like, God, it's so trivial. None of this shit matters. Yeah. Like, why are we doing this to each other? Why? 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 I, I you know, and it makes you, God, it, it it, got me very passionate. This is why the second half works so well. I got, like, so angry. Mm-hmm. So angry watching this movie. I got angry at humanity. And I got like, and then the most amazing thing happens. De Reese manages to end this movie on a note of hope and love and tolerance and understanding. Right. And my Lord, did it. it oh, I can't praise the second half of this movie enough. I really can't.
2: Oh. <laughs> It's, it's amazing. It really is. And, um, yeah, just to go off of what you were talking about with the imagery, like I, I lo- I agree with you on the mud piece. And as that started to play out through the course of the movie, I loved it. And like just that frustration cause you just watch like every, they had their clean clothes on and every time they were clean, they were dirty in a second because they were in the mud, you know, and like just watching that and even just bath day, like once a week and like just how much you look forward to that. Anyway, that whole, I, that really worked for everything you're, Talking about just in terms of sort of that trapped feeling, um, and um, the visuals worked really well, I think, to enhance that and to bring that all together. And it kind of has this kind of literary feel, which I like, almost yeah. like a Steinbeck, you know, *Grapes of Wrath* like element to it.
1: Yeah, you could tell it was adapted from a, a, a novel. Yeah, uh, work yeah, of and sort. but
2: I liked that. You know, I liked that I could almost feel that like thematic quality to it.
1: Oh, I I totally agree. I I, I like it when a film feels literary. Mm -hmm. I like it when I can watch a film and I can get the same feeling that one would get reading a book out of a movie. Right. It's not so much entertaining me, but it's making me question uh, aspects about the world around me or aspects about how the world once was and maybe how that ties into today. It gives me a different perspective. And I mean... You know, that's – damn, that's that, that's the heart of cinema right there.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I I think a little bit of, you know, maybe just some different choices in the first half. We would have a near-perfect movie here.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that.
2: But, my God, I mean, it's still a great showing for sure. Um, I'm curious. One of the question marks I had, i just totally curious your take. One of the things I was thinking about – I found Henry an interesting character. I think because he was just so in this middle place, right? And I was trying to figure him out a little bit. But yeah. I he, he had such strange choices along the way, and obviously, so many of that. Some of that was like rooted in misogyny and not including his wife and decisions and things like that. But I I I just didn't really fully understand his decision to move them back to the farm. And I'm just wondering if there's something that I missed, if it was simply just because he wanted to own land and 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 run a farm or if there was something I missed there that you picked up on.
1: Well, I think that, that I think that there is this masculine pride in, you know, yeah. owning land, taking care of one's family, having a legacy to leave behind like I was saying before, the guy is um, yeah, old-fashioned and he's a product of the times, really. He's not a forward thinker. He I mean l- look at who his father is for Christ's sake. you mm-hmm. know um, <laughs> he grows up thinking like you know this is what this is what life's all about. you know you you have a wife, you have kids, you, you get this land, you work and you just keep working it until the day you die. you know and you just try to build a, a, a great life for them. you know it's that blue collar work ethic. I Suppose is what it comes down to, really. And there is that, um, that pride, like we were saying yeah. before. And it because he doesn't want to show, um, he doesn't want to show like vulnerability, you know, towards his wife or you know, even towards his brother or anyone, you know, he's never going to be like the type of person that asks for help, you know, unless if, <laughs> unless if, of course, uh, every time he asks HAP for help, it's because we know. That it's coming from a place of listen I'm I'm, I'm above you right you know I, I I have the right to ask you for help because you're below me
2: right that comes through for sure that's why he's in the middle ground you know he's certainly not a hero but it's interesting because I think that there was a lot of complexity to that character but we're not talking about Jason Clark for consideration which I think is interesting because I do feel like there was a lot to tell there do you think that's in his performance or that they're just wasn't enough
1: to show I think that he's more interestingly written than interestingly acted yeah in terms of just grabbing our attention let's say um, yeah he was a little flat no no I wouldn't say flat just um mm-hmm. uh, I it, it, it didn't it, it didn't grab me if I'm comparing it to other performances in the film itself um, it's very clear to anyone that probably watches this that Mitchell and Headland are probably the standouts mm-hmm But, I don't know, to me, he kind of falls into into the same uh, pack as, like, Mary J. Blige, almost, in a way, where it's that, you know, the performance is interestingly written, but he does not have a scene, you know, where he doesn't have, like... A real standout moment that right now I could pinpoint to you, uh, uh, mind you, uh, over a month later after seeing it and be like, that's the scene I most remember about that character. What, what's funny enough is that the thing I remember most about that character is every single time he would ask the Jackson family for help and how each time he asked – um, the context was a little different. There was never any kind of um, regard for what was going on with the Jackson family from his perspective. I mean, for Christ's sake, there's um, a, an unfortunate incident that happens to happen in this movie that, you know, um, leaves him unable to do work on the farm. And, hap- you know, doesn't look at him as a human being. He looks at him as, you know, a, a business problem. So, all of that's very interesting. But the performance itself is not, it, it, it's, it's, it's good. It's just not, it's just not great. It's not like an all timer or anything like that.
2: Yeah, I agree. And what, so <clears throat> did you say your thoughts on Mulligan? I'm curious.
1: Oh, she's really good in the movie. Um, The first half of the movie is all hers. And uh, the, the issue is that the film just doesn't focus on her uh, when we get to the second half as much. And I really do feel like she kind of gets pushed aside to the background. Had she been kept more in focus uh, I I would say that, you know, she would be contending for best in show and potentially an Oscar nomination because she does have a lot in this movie that she gets to do.
2: Yeah, she doesn't have that big moment though. Like um, some of the there's too. a scene
1: where she cries to uh, Mary J Blige. Yeah, all right. I, but I mean, yeah, but but it, but it doesn't come together as a whole, you know. The yeah. film she's she is weakened by the film's structure. Right. And that, that pretty much just sums up, you know, as we get into now, um, final thoughts, a uh, great out of 10, Oscar potential, that, that pretty much sums up my thoughts overall on the film. Um, I, I do think the first half is, you know, very messy because they're introducing so many different characters. They're giving us so much in terms of uh, their character development, their um, struggles, their hopes and desires. And, you know, we also get their uh, points of view because of the voiceover that, you don't know who the lead character is at a certain point anymore, and it makes it very hard for you to focus on the film until we do get to that turning point midway through the movie where it really starts to settle into, oh, it's about Hedlund and Mitchell and how that connection between them is what unites the two families. And it finally, the movie clicks. Next thing you know, you're very, very invested in this friendship, this bond that these two men have. And... The film crushes you with Mm -hmm. that scene. Then in the the final act in a movie, it really, really, really crushes your soul. And then Dee Reese just pulls off a miracle act and somehow makes everything better by the end. I don't know. By the grace of God, I don't know how she does it. How she did it. But she does it.
2: It's retroactively satisfying in this crazy way. I mean, I've only had 24 hours with it, but um, I haven't stopped th- thinking about it, you know? And so that's, and and I didn't realize that when I was watching the first hour. So it just take you know, it's one of those things you kind of settle into for sure.
1: Yeah, um, great out of 10, I would give it a seven out of 10. And as far as like Oscar potential goes, this is like really tricky uh, because- I can't say definitively how this film is going to perform. I really can't. I I mean, you know, it doesn't have box office because, you know, Netflix doesn't release their numbers. So we don't know right. exactly how well it's doing with audiences. All you can really pay attention to is the scores that critics are giving it, maybe what's going on with social media and how it performs all throughout the uh, award circuit. So, I mean, you've got – it before, you know, it, it appearing at the uh, NAACP Image Awards, um, I, I believe in one category, which was, you know, strange. Um, I thought it would appear uh, in many more. Although, if, if I remember correctly, I think Mary J. Blige also did show up in the mm-hmm. uh, supporting actress. So, uh, two categories. But then you will have. Um, it's getting these special awards for its ensemble. I, I do think it's going to pop up at SAG Ensemble as Definitely. well. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, no How doubt. could it not? Right? Yeah. So it's a mixed bag in terms it of its Oscar it's, potential. It's, I would say if this wasn't Netflix – uh, and maybe this is Netflix's year, just like Amazon was, uh, you know, it, they had their year last year. I would say this is uh, best picture, best adapted screenplay, supporting actor, supporting actress, uh, supporting actors, even Mitchell or Hedlund. uh The supporting actress contender is probably Mary J. Blige, um, because, you know, she's a recognizable name that. Uh, you know, she has fans and people will say, oh, she's really she really disappeared into this role. I think she disappears from the movie. But, you know, that's just my take. So do I think it gets any tax? Uh, unfortunately, uh, I, I don't. Uh, while the cinematography is good, um, I, I think there are better contenders. This Such year. a strong list. Yeah. yeah. Um, the music didn't work for me. The editing definitely doesn't work for me. Uh, sound, it's not going to get into that. Costumes. We've seen costumes like this before. So, mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, I I picture adapted screenplay, supporting actors, supporting actress. Those are that that's as far as I'm willing to go in terms of what I think it's Oscar prospects are
2: sure yeah I think we're really similar now if I could just give a grade to the last hour of the movie it would be a <laughs> nine out of ten absolutely or 10 of 10. yeah and yeah uh, so but where I ended is actually I don't know I have really this is where I wish there was halves you know I ended on a six out of ten but man I I could really convince myself to do a seven just because of the like the way this all comes together um but I just I I you know I struggled with the it kind of getting going and figuring out a little bit who it wanted to follow and what characters to focus on. And I think um, we were so close to having such a great movie, but I, I got to say a six. However, um, I do think this is going to get attention. I think definitely adapted screenplay. I think it'll, I think best picture I'm going to say for a supporting actor, I really think it will be Mitchell. Mm. Um, And Mary J. Blige, I think is going to be just outside, but I don't know that she'll make it.
1: Yeah, I'm starting to feel like uh, she'll miss and Mitchell, mm-hmm. um, M- Mitchell, you know, I I actually do rank Mitchell above Headland in terms of uh, who I think is probably going to get nominated there. Um, yeah, I-, I think he is more likely, you know, but just because of that ending, you really, really, really think about uh, Mitchell when this movie is over.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: All right. Cool. Anything else?
2: No, um, this was uh, such a good movie. I hope everybody sees it and takes the time to watch it. And I hope just you know stick it out, even if you get a little bored. Give it a minute. It's going to be worth it.
1: You know, and I want to just echo uh, some thoughts on on that uh, statement you just said there about how it's such a good movie. And some people might be thinking like seven and six scores. Yet we're saying it's such a good movie. It's a good movie. There's just there are flaws that we noticed that maybe you won't, and you'll be able to enjoy it otherwise. You know, there are certain things that if you're not looking for it, I I think that this could be a really, really, really great experience for most people. And, I mean, what, the film has a 97% of Rotten Tomatoes right now? So this is definitely leaning positive for people. Um, There are not many people that are giving this a flat-out negative review, believe me. (laughs) So... All right, DM. where can I find you on the internet? At dd 33 And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much for listening to our review of Mudbound on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable, people. Otherwise, I will put you in the ground with the mud. But not really. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out Mudbound on Netflix. If you have a Netflix subscription, you really, really don't have an excuse. We will see you all next time.